Hi, I'm Rach. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Aya podcast. Hey, Rach. How you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, not bad. I um, I just had a birthday. Yes, you did. Thank you for the cookies. That's okay. <laughs> it was it was a nice day. So we're doing some building work. Um, and I spent quite a lot of my birthday researching extractor fans, which wasn't what I had in mind. No, but it's, there's a limited amount you can do at the moment, isn't there? So yeah, I had a Nando's. That'll do, right? That's and you had cookies. Yes, that sounds like a great birthday. It was alright, and of course. It's the last birthday before the big one, isn't it? Shh, we don't talk about that. I get there first, I get there first. The big 4 Okay. Um, What have you been up to? Well, oh my goodness, well, since our last, since Devil's Cub, which is the last one we recorded. Oh yeah. Lots, I guess. We've got two new arrivals in the family. So we've got, uh, yeah, got a new, new, new baby James. He's a human child. And um, <laughs> then we've got Mrs. Nibbles, the hamster. Oh, that's a cute name. Which is her full name. Um, and that, yes, that's my son's hamster. So yeah, no, big stuff. Big stuff in the year of Corona. How about you? What have you been doing? Um, yeah, building work, DIY, working from home. That's kind of it. This is slightly strange because, so listeners, this is our first podcast recording since lockdown kicked in. And we're doing this via Zoom. Because I, I think we kind of optimistically thought at some point, We'll be able to meet up face to face and pick this up again. And mm. you know what? A year's gone past. Probably we just need to adapt and do this online. Yeah. Now. So we've invested yeah. in some decent mics. Hopefully the audio is going to be actually better than ever. And um, yeah. Yeah. So we are talking about Regency Buck this time around. Yeah. That's cool. And we decided on this one because it was it's part of the... These old shays, Devil's Cub, Infamous Army, Saga, isn't mm-hmm. it? It doesn't have any of the characters. So the, the books that bring all these books together is Infamous Army, which yeah. is the, the last one. And that brings characters together from this, from Regency Buck and from These Old Shays, Devil's Cub. So mm-hmm. we thought we'd do the whole shebang. I like the way that some people refer to it as the Alastair Audley trilogy thereby neatly disregarding the infamous army altogether yeah mm. and there's a reason for that yeah we'll we'll tackle infamous army when we get to it right yeah yeah so this is this is georgia Hayes' first regency um romance mm-hmm. so this is the first one she did, I did um, and i think the issue one of the issues with it is that she's obviously as she's known for she's obviously done so much research into mm. into the regency period and it is basically all in this book <laughs> there's so much detail and there's long passages which just which describe the setting and various regency fashions and mm-hmm. uh situations and all that kind of thing and um I find myself I found myself skipping over those bits a little bit yeah it's it's because boring. it was just yeah and, it. and it's probably the expense of the character development and yeah 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 for yeah. me there were there were four bits that I needed to know a lot less about than I was told mm. and that's the boxing match the cockfighting yes 
um, the Curricle race to Brighton. I feel like I could mm. do that race. And yeah. Brighton Pavilion itself. Yeah. Oh. Even even the, the description of their first journey to London. Mm. Um, you we know can talk about the, about the, you know the plot. Should, should we do a little summary? Just in case people need, need their minds refreshing. Um, yeah. So, to sum it up quickly, the beautiful and charming Judith and Peregrine Taverner arrive in London and they find that their guardian, Lord Worth, is not the man their father had in mind. So their father intended their guardian to be Worth's father, but there was a bit of a clerical mm. error. Um, so it's, a, it's an awkward situation for everybody involved, but Worth succeeds in foiling the plans of Bernard Taverner because um, he was planning on bumping off Peregrine and marrying Judith for the money. That's it in a nutshell. And basically, it's sort of a mix, isn't it, between a, 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 an attempted murder mystery. Yep. <laughs> so a whodunit, because you don't know it's it's Bernard until mm. until the end, or you can guess. But yeah, mm. um, and then there's a, a love story between um, Judith and, and Worth. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. Which, if you know a few other books, you know, do both genres, don't they? They, yeah. But yes. Then... Oddly, I very much forgot entirely about the murder mystery side of this storyline. Mm. Um, so it must have been a very long time since I since I read this one previously. And to be fair, I think it's going to be a while before I read it again. Yeah not, yeah. not to say I didn't get any enjoyment out of it, but just it wasn't mm. hit, hitting the sweet spot for me. So yeah, in this book, um, Judith and Lord Worth meet very early on, actually. Um, they clash quite physically. So they are, um, Judith and her brother are in a gig that they've they've hired for a day and having a little jaunt out. And Perry, or Peregrine, whichever you prefer, um, isn't driving very carefully and accidentally nearly causes a crash with who we later find out is Lord Worth. And he the the first description of lord worth safe to say he doesn't come across very well uh, Rachel, have you got have you got that passage yeah so this um so this is the passage he was the epitome of a man of fashion his beaver hat was set over black locks carefully brushed into the semblance of disorder his bat a starched muslin supported his chin in a series of beautiful folds his driving coat of drab cloth bore no less than 15 capes and a double row of silver buttons. Miss Travener had to own him a very handsome creature, but found no diff difficulty in detesting the whole cast of his countenance. He had a look of self-consequence, his eyes ironically surveying her from underneath weary lids, were the hardest she'd ever seen, and betrayed no emotion but boredom. His nose was too straight for her taste, his mouth was very well formed, firm but thin-lipped, she thought it sneered. Worse than all that was his languor. He was uninterested both in having dexterously averted an incident and in the gig's plight. His driving had been magnificent. There must have been unsuspected strength in those elegantly gloved hands holding the reins in such seeming carelessness. But in the name of God, why must he put on an air of dandified affectation? So I think that's such a good description of, yeah. of him. Because it basically sums him up in mm. 
a couple of paragraphs. It talks about how he's a is a dandy, mm. his air of consequence. It also hints at his strength and uh, athletic ability. And basically, that's all yep. you need to know about Worth. He's arrogant and <laughs> um, he's arrogant and very. Uh, I would say more of a Corinthian than a dandy, mm. but anyway. Yeah, because um, he's really into the boxing, isn't he? Yeah, um, but and then an underlying strength. So although he's a dandy, there's a a manliness behind that. Sure. No, and I I think in those early exchanges between him and the taverners, as a reader, I remember reading that and just thinking oh god i really he really knows how to push buttons yeah i got properly wound up with his attitude i, I, I don't think he's a nice <laughs> a nice character like i i, I do and there's there's, there's 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 characters that um are similar to that there, there is an arrogance there's a mm. a proudness to a lot of hair mm-hmm. um heroes but there's I, I found there was less, um, yeah, there was less, say, there wasn't really a saving grace with him. And I don't think he changed by the end. He didn't grow. Exactly. That's what he's in. The, the, the other ones, you definitely see a progression. There is, there is something about um, his love for the heroine that mm. changes, changes him or something that changes him. Like um, in Frederica Averstroke, he, yeah. you know, the kids and her and all of that changes him you can definitely see that progression yeah. and and with worth he just he ends up he's still an arrogant careful now <laughs> so and so at the end <laughs> okay so and so <laughs> yeah don't because i've been so worried about saying regency buck wrong like you wrong <laughs> um so after that initial meeting it is just a quick kind of near miss on the road isn't it then we have the boxing yeah. match the minutely described boxing match which, you know what, I actually went away and Googled it a little bit and <laughs> kind of got into, got into it. But um, the one thing I found interesting about that boxing match was the fact that one of the boxers is a black guy. What's his name? Tom Molyneux. Mm. Yeah. And there are obviously quite a lot of examples of racism in Hayes' books. But it's in that scene where I think there's the only acknowledgement that racism existed at that time mm. because there's this passage where oh, hold on i'll find it and read it yeah so um peregrine has befriended mr fitzjohn who's kind of giving him a bunch of info about boxing and mr fitzjohn said of tom molyneux they say he loses his temper you weren't at the fight last year no of course you weren't i was forgetting well you know it's bad very bad the crowd booed him don't know why for they don't boo at richmond and he's a black too I dare say it was just from everyone's wanting Crib to win, but it was not at all the thing, and made the black think that he had not been fairly treated, though that was all my eye and Betty Martin, of course. Crib is the better man, best fighter I ever saw in my life. So Fitzjohn there is probably wrongly mm. um, discounting the booze that he'd received as racism. But yeah, it just struck me that that's the first time I'd actually see, yeah. felt that kind of acknowledgement in a Hayer book. And also in this one... Lord Worth refers to his tiger, Henry, his little cockney tiger, as um, a misogynist. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, actually, which yeah. is blooming rich coming from him, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the second meeting. Oh, problematic. Which is problematic, isn't it? 
Yeah, so I think this is often compared to Venetia and Lord Damerel, isn't it? With a yeah. forced kiss. Yeah, and and the bit that I find most, um, not most actually, there's, there's lots there's lots of upsetting in this, but um, there is sort of a a feeling in it that if she because one of the things that is said is um, oh he probably thought that I was like a tradesman's mm-hmm. daughter or something it's like oh oh well then it, that would be okay then yeah yeah <laughs> it, it is a really difficult passage to read isn't it firstly that he does it and secondly even she says oh well you know no wonder he thought he must have thought I was just a she a, says a, a tradesman's daughter at a guess she supposed the gentleman to have written her down as some country tradesman's daughter from a queen square boarding school oh well mm. fair enough then <laughs> Um, and from a Queen Square boarding school. That means that the a child. <laughs> there are layers of snobbery in that, aren't there? Yeah. Um But yeah, so she she had to take her shoe off, didn't she, on the side of the road. She'd gone out for a walk and she had yeah. something was wrong with her shoe. She took it off and he stumbled upon her at this awkward time. And he picks her up and puts her in his mm-hmm. carriage. And I don't know about you, but we're both short people and I find it so frustrating when someone bigger than me physically picks picks me up and puts me somewhere it's not cute yeah yeah or if someone pats your head as well very very patronizing I mean I did quite like that the first bit of this where she um she sort of got gets caught at the side she's trying to take a stone out of her shoe Mm. and then she gets caught and then quickly has to lower her her dress because it reminds me of when I lost my shoe (laughs) on the underground (laughs) And had to go the whole way home trying to hide my foot, which was shoeless because it went on the platform. No, sorry, it went on the track. <laughs> so it, re- it really made me feel bad. I was like, no, that is, it's bad when you don't have a shoe on. <laughs> yeah, but no one, it's not like the, the height of scandal if anyone sees your foot. It's weird. but it's- <laughs> No, but it's weird. <laughs> Was there nobody there who could help you get your shoe off the tracks? They wouldn't do it. Oh, I did ask, but they wouldn't do it because the trains were coming to like every two minutes. So you had to hold And so home. they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. it. Was the Jubilee line? That's very frequent. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, I did. I, I felt for her, and I can just sort of imagine sort of getting up and then lowering, not not wanting to show your ankle. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we should have like a little look at that passage because you know what? They've got yeah. some nice back and forth. It's sparky. Yeah. So Lord Worth says to her, I shall have to call you Clorinda. May I put on your shoe for you? She gave a start, her cheeks flamed. No, she said chokingly. You may do nothing for me except drive on. Why, that is easily done, he replied and bent, and before she had time to realise his purpose, lifted her up in his arms and walked off with her to his curricle. Miss Tavener ought to have screamed or fainted. She was too much surprised to do either. But as soon as she had recovered from her astonishment at being picked up in that easy way, as though she had been a featherweight, which she knew she was not, she dealt her captor one resounding slap, with the full force of her arm behind it. He winced a little, but his arms did not slacken their hold. Rather, they tightened slightly. Never hit with an open palm, Clorinda, he told her. I will show you how in a minute. Up with you. Miss Tavener was tossed up into the curricle, and collapsed onto the seat in some disorder. The gentleman in the caped greatcoat picked up a parasol and gave it to her, took the sandal from her resistless grasp, and calmly held it ready to fit onto her foot. To struggle for possession of it would have been an undignified business. To climb down from the curricle was impossible. Miss Tavener, quivering with temper, put out her stockinged foot. He slipped the sandal on and tied the string. 
Thank you, said Miss Taverner with awful civility. Now if you give me your hand out of the carriage, I may resume my walk. But I'm not going to give you my hand, he said. I'm going to drive you back to Grantham. His tone provoked her to reply disdainfully. You may think that a great honour, sir, but... It is a great honour, he said. I never drive females. No, his tiger said suddenly. Else I wouldn't be here. Not a minute I wouldn't. Henry, you see, is a misogynist, explained the gentleman. Apparently not in the least annoyed by this unceremonious interruption. I'm not interested in you or your servant, snapped Miss Taverner. That is what I like in you, he agreed, and sprang lightly up into the curricle and stepped across her to the box seat. Now let me show you how to hit me. And then he shows her how to make a fist. Mm. Um, so I have missed your accent. <laughs> I was looking forward to Henry. I didn't have a lot to work with there, but, you know, I, I tried to instill some cockiness into it. I feel like there's a whole backstory with Henry that we've actually probably had in other books. But, you know, yes. how Lord Worth has picked up this chippy little cockney and made him a tiger yes definitely but yeah so he is he is unpleasant and then he goes on to kiss her and then she gets home and there's a confrontation between peregrine judith and lord worth and i find it so annoying that judith has to minimize the situation to calm perry down from starting mm. a fight it's like oh, you know what something really unpleasant happened to you and you're having to play it down to keep the peace yeah but that does feel real doesn't it you oh can yeah. absolutely imagine that happening yeah yeah i think the first meetings with um lord worth contrast nicely with the first meeting with their cousin bernard so he just comes across as like the model of a of a yeah charming man yes because again they don't know who he is at first meeting yeah. do they and he get, gives up the, her, the the room in the the inn for them yeah. um and then later on when they meet him after all this incident mm. um then he sort of says oh by the way my name's Tavener as well yeah i think um odd first meetings is a theme throughout this book so when mm. lord worth meets the taverners they don't know who, who the others are same with bernard and his cousins then when charles audley appears on the scene he's mm. talking about her yeah i like that we'll talk about that later yeah mm. without realizing she's in the room and then mm. judith talks about beau brummel to beau brummel not realizing who he yes. is there's a whole series of just these confusing introductions. It's a little bit like a, a restoration yeah, period right. farce. I didn't notice that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So this description of her first impressions of her cousin. Mm. Um, his modesty, the delicacy with which he had refrained from instantly making himself known to them. His manners, which were extremely engaging, outweighed the rest. She held her hand out to him, saying in a friendly way, that we are cousins and should know each other better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important, isn't it, setting them up against each other like that, because mm. basically it's, you know, the book progresses and there's a series of scrapes that Peregrine gets into and it's looking more and more like there's attempts on his life. Mm, mm. And basically there are two main suspects and that is Bernard and Lord Worth. And yeah. And so it's important that they're set up against each other like that in the beginning. Mm. And, and obviously the nicer guy is going to be the murderer. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think actually that's probably one of my favourite bits about this book is how Haya 
maintains that ambiguity for quite a long period of time. Like, there are conversations between Lord Worth and Bernard. Honestly, why am I saying Bernard? Is it Bernard? Isn't it just Bernard? Yeah. (laughs) Bernard, no. Bernard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where I I think, you know, on the balance of things, you know that Lord Lord Worth's the decent Mm. one. But it's, it's quite, it's played quite on the line. It is. It is. But the only thing about that is, I just kept on thinking, if you're not guilty, why are you acting so guilty? <laughs> like, yeah. Why are you doing everything in your power <laughs> to make people suspicious of you when you don't need to be? And I just thought that, like, I thought that throughout the whole, th- I mean, I guess it's, it, you know, it's, it's just a plot. <laughs> it's it, it yeah. needed for the plot but uh, ultimately but I did think like stop stop being weird and suspicious and having weird conversations with people in mm. in, in taverns I, yeah <laughs> well I think as well I, I've spent quite a lot of the beginning bit of it thinking just tell Judith what you think is going on here but then a little bit later on I think she she has a like a first impression that, oh maybe something is going on here and she says to him to him, oh, I, I, I don't know what I would do if I actually believed that there was that somebody was trying to kill Peregrine, mm. and he kind of jumps on it and goes, "Oh, right, so it would drive you to distraction if you if you thought that this there was a genuine yeah. concern here," and she confirms that, and at that point he clearly kind of goes, "Okay, right, I'm not going to involve her in this." Yeah, mm. yeah, and I, I do I do see that, and I can see as well. Um, he so, so she, she, he can he knows that she is suspicious of him or doesn't know who to trust, and and you know and just saying oh please trust me is not gonna is not gonna work um, in that circumstance. So yeah, I I can see why why she yeah she was left out of what he knows, and also I can sort of see why Peregrine because I was like thinking to myself worth having to sort of kidnap peregrine mm. to get him out of the way to stop the plot that bernard had hatched for him mm-hmm. which was to send him on a voyage and probably dump him out to sea or something mm-hmm. so he get he kidnaps, kidnaps perry like gives him a, a poisoned um drink or whatever and um and i was like, thinking like was that really necessary couldn't you just have had a conversation with yeah. with him um i think high-handed uh, was invented yeah. as a term to describe lord worth yeah and but then i think well actually you know if, if you told peregrine that some that someone was trying to kill him and either not believe it mm. or um he would try and do something about it and neither of those would be very helpful yeah no he'd think it was an amazing adventure and get yeah. stuck in and make it go horribly wrong wouldn't he but i mean the attempts yeah. on his life are hilariously obvious <laughs> yeah like and oh, I was giggling like a complete idiot. So the the one, the the fact that a duel was forced upon him, because um, Farnaby accused Perry's man of squeezing his cock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Cockfighting is like cockfighting is awful. I always knew it was awful, and then. This yeah. book where it actually describes it in quite a lot of detail. Oof. It's not pleasant. Isn't it terrible? Yeah. Uh, it's describing the poor 
cock's eye out. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, we can't give this an explicit rating on the podcast channels, okay? (laughs) You're going to have to keep it clean. (laughs) Okay. Come on, you. Yeah. Um, So after the cock squeezing incident, um, he was shot at by highwaymen. A highwayman mm-hmm. who, was, who had no interest in stealing from him just just fired straight away. Yeah. Then there was a suspicious sn- gift of a snuff, snuff. container from I a know. mystery person. And if nothing else, that told us it couldn't possibly be worth because mm. why would worth? Because he was really into snuff and had lots yeah. of jars and made it and stuff. I don't know how you make it, but anyway. Mm. Um, and um, although there is a. <laughs> There's a big description about how you make it. Yeah. In the book. Um, yeah. And so, why why would you why would you do that if you were worth to use mm. poison snuff anyway? Yeah. So, should we talk a little bit about the ups and downs of Judith and Worth? And their relationship because it's tempestuous it is yeah um yeah there are a few incidents aren't there which um Mm. make them clash and then push them further apart which i guess adds a lot to the um to the her not trusting him and that they're not being on good enough terms to have a proper conversation about what's going on and also i guess he has to keep his distance until she's no longer his ward because yeah. it, it, he is too honourable to, you know. Yeah, he's probably the only decent thing he does, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so they, they get off to that bad start, don't they? But then, I, and it's not really gone into in much detail in the book, but it sounds like they have some pleasant outings with each other. Like, they go to the theatre and they, they kind of get on slightly better terms with each other, like a, a comfortable mm. sort of relationship. And then I think they end up fighting over the Brighton house. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, I can absolutely imagine being this silly as, <laughs> as Judith is because he, he, he says, oh, no, go for this house in the knowledge that she'll choose the other house if he, if he yeah. pushes that one. And then she finds out that he's done that. And yeah, is it? yes, and she gets I- upset about it. And I can imagine being that petty. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I absolutely would be. And I, I like the fact that in this it's played out in sort of very coldly written notes. Yes. He recommended the property that actually he didn't think that she would want. She thinks she's won. And then she has a chat with Charles Audley. And from that conversation, it becomes clear that Worth has tricked her. So at this point, she wants to go against his will again. So she says, Dear Lord Worth, I'm afraid that I behaved badly this morning in going against your wishes in the matter of the house in Brighton. Upon reflection, I am bound to acknowledge that I did wrong. I write now to assure you that I have no real wish to stay on the Marine Parade and shall obey you in lodging on the stain. She read this through with a pleased smile, sealed it in an envelope, wrote the direction and rang the bell for a servant. The note was taken round by hand, but the L being out when it was delivered, no answer was brought back to Miss Tavener. By noon on the following day, however, the answer had arrived. Miss Tavener broke the seal, spread out the single sheet and read... Dear Miss Tavener, I accept your apologies, but although your promise of obedience must gratify me, it is now too late to change. I regret to inform you that the house on the stain is no longer on the market, but has been snapped up by another. I have this morning signed the lease of the one on Marine Parade. And he's the person 
that snapped up the lease. Yeah. It? Yeah. And then there is the Curricle race to Ooh. Brighton, which was yeah. really blew up. I really hate it when the heroine in one of these books does something that I know and they know is wrong. Because I feel like yeah. I'm making the mistake. I mean, it's not actually wrong. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the times. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the word, yeah. It's she know she knew it was wrong in the end, or yeah. well, she knew it was silly and it was going to have consequences. Let's say not say wrong and right. She knew it was going to have those like bad consequences and and mm. show her to be slightly, yeah. I don't know what you'd put, not loose, but it, it sort of yeah. gave her a bit of a reputation, didn't it? Yeah, and that sort of, I think the implication is that that led to the Prince Regent yes. incident as well yeah let's come on to that shortly. yeah yeah bad beha- badly behaving royals though who would have thought i know i know um so yeah that that curricle fight so fight the curricle fight she gets caught by worth mm. before she reaches brighton and they have a complete ding dong of a fight don't they it's horrible and huge and to me it had echoes of the confrontation between Darcy and Miss Bennett in Pride and Prejudice, mm. just just in how they go nuclear. So, oh yeah, read and and they're, they're they're both saying things to wound, aren't they as well? Mm-hmm. Like, sh- yeah, you, you read it. I think for both of them, their pride is hurt and they are lashing mm. out. So, Judith says to Worth, "Upon every occasion, you have intervened where you had neither cause nor right." I have hitherto submitted, because I do not choose to be forever at loggerheads with one to whom, to my misfortune, I am in some sort tied. But this goes beyond what my patience can suffer. You are not to be the judge of the propriety of my actions. If it pleases me to drive a curricle to Brighton, it is no business of yours. Do you think I will permit my ward to make herself the talk of the town? Do you think it suits my pride to have my ward drive down to Brighton, wind-blown, dishevelled, a butt for every kind of coarse wit, an object of disgust to any person of taste and refinement? Take a look at yourself, my good girl. He seized her by the shoulders as he spoke, and twisted her round to face the mirror that hung over the mantelpiece. She saw to her annoyance that her hair, escaping from under the close hat she wore, was whipped into a tangle, and her habit powdered with dust. It made her more angry than ever. She wrenched herself free and cried, Yes, an object of disgust for you and any other dandy, I dare say. Do you think I care for your good opinion? It is a matter of supremest indifference to me. From the moment that I first set eyes on you, I have disliked you. Yes, and mistrusted you too. I do not know what your motive has been in trying to overcome my dislike, but you have not succeeded. Evidently not, he said, a grim smile curling the corners of his mouth. I can readily believe that, but I shall be obliged to you if you will tell me what I have done to earn your mistrust. Having no very clear idea, but womanlike, having merely used the most wounding phrases she could think of, she ignored this home question and said, Do not imagine that I am not well aware of the reason for this unmannerly outburst in you. You are less concerned with the appearance I may present than with having your own commands set aside. You must always be the master. You cannot bear to have your will gainsaid. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I, I do. That That's a good argument, isn't it? That is it. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. And it's so it's clever as well, because um, it feels like a really real argument where you're you can feel the anger in both of them. Um, and you just will say anything because you don't want to lose the argument and that has a real feel of how 
couple sometimes fight yeah yeah um, but the yeah. argument actually becomes an entity in its own right doesn't it and yeah overcomes you yeah um, i think Haya does that really well mm-hmm. but then again they sort of get back to some sort of degree of civility between them like quite cautiously but that's after the prince regent incident isn't it yes um so so he does not come off well in this <laughs> no. i mean partly just in the way he's described like a horrible aftershave mm. just mm. kind of um, like an unpleasant lech yeah i think there is sort of mention of how he was you know a lot, a lot of better looking and nicer yeah. in, in the, his early days um because that's one of the reasons that mrs scattergood kind yes. of doesn't worry too much about judith being with him because she just idolizes him from from his youth yeah i found that scene actually quite unpleasant well obviously but the way the way he uses his power to isolate her Mm. and the fact that she i I can't see how she would get out of that situation either no like you you can totally understand how she found herself in that situation and felt and felt powerless Um, absolutely and when worth comes in um and frustrates the whole thing and she's fainted um because it's and that that's the other reason it's unpleasant because it's really hot and Mm. i hate feeling i hate that feeling of being hot and stuffy and then she's yeah and she's in this situation and then she sort of she she faints and then worth comes in and then there's a um i really felt for judith when like worth said um how did you find yourself in this what made you come into the room with him which is a little bit blamey and Mm. and it but well surely you can see how yeah she you would end up in that situation if you know what you're gonna say what you're gonna say to a a prince you know his future king Mm. um yeah so that that had a real real ring to it as well didn't it yeah, they 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 had a nice little moment I think when she woke up and she sort of clutched at him because mm. she felt safe with him around, mm. and I think she makes a few references to that to feeling safe in his presence. Mm. And I think he referenced that later as one of the first times mm. where he thought, oh, well, maybe I've got a chance, which is like the only, yeah, which is nice. Yeah, cause it's like a. I think if it hadn't been for him saying that, I would have just assumed that he was a hundred percent confident that it was going to yeah. work out how he planned all the way through. So it's actually nice yeah. to see that little chink in his confidence. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then, of course, he saves her again when Bernard yeah. kidnaps her, takes her to a cottage in the middle of a wood. Yeah, and tries to compromise her, basically, doesn't he? Yeah. And then I guess the final part of the Judith and Worth relationship is the proposal. Yeah. And I, I don't know how you felt about this, but for me, it felt quite out of character. Because they, I feel like they both went to gushy levels of affection very quickly. Yeah. I guess the only excuse for that is that he could, before now, he couldn't declare himself mm-hmm. because she's reached a majority, so he's no, she's no longer his ward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I guess, I don't know, how else do you make a proposal other than being a bit gushy? Come on, we've got some, we've got some heroes in Haya that do better ones than that. Freddie Stanton yeah. does make a fuss, oh, well. just does it nicely. Yeah. Um, maybe we should have a look at it. Yeah. So, yeah, in the proposal scene, they um, he comes to visit her in Brighton on her birthday, so she's attained her majority. 
and he kisses her again um, and says, Now do you know why I'm glad to be rid of my ward? demanded the Earl. Oh, said Miss Taverner foolishly, I was afraid you meant me to marry your brother. Were you indeed? And was all the determined flirting I've been watching between you merely to show how willing you were to oblige me? Nonsensical child. I've been in love with you almost from the first moment of setting eyes on you. Oh, this is dreadful, said Miss Taverner, shaken by remorse. I disliked you amazingly for weeks. The Earl kissed her again. You are wholly adorable, he said. No, I am not, replied Miss Taverner, as soon as she was able. I am as disagreeable as you are. You would like to beat me. You said you would once, and I believe you meant it. If I only said it once, I'm astonished at my own forbearance. I've wanted to beat you at least a dozen times, and came very near to doing it once, at Cuckfield. But I still think you adorable. Give me your hand. She held it out, and he slipped a ring on the third finger. You see, I had got a birthday present for you, Clorinda. Miss Taverner raised the hand shyly to touch the earl's cheek. He caught it and pressed it to his lips. She blushed and said, I thought, after Cutfield, I had no power to attach you any more. You made me so unhappy. There was no continued observance, none of that distinguishing notice that had become insensibly so necessary to my comfort. That I should have given you one moment's pain, he said, but your words to me at Cuckfield, the tone in which you uttered them, convinced me that nothing could avail to banish the disgust of me which our first meeting had given you. I mean, it's quite full. I mean, there are a couple yeah, of issues it, it, to that, isn't there? They talk about him beating her. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it does, it's not okay, but it, it, I, I'm hoping it's sort of joking. Yeah. <laughs> He's not really going to... Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it is out of character. I also don't approve of... um giving engagement rings on birthdays or christmas takes it takes it away doesn't it it's like no give me another present then and then give me an engagement <laughs> ring yeah yeah oh, god we're both awful people um but yeah it's it's both gushy and too focused on beating so not my favorite marriage proposal in a in a hair book to be honest I, I, yeah i i think mean, you're right because i think that the problem with that is that 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 proposal um tries is the only thing that tries to redeem him and it's like well no because you haven't you know we, we haven't liked you for a long time <laughs> and then just that little passage can't mm. can't show redemption I, I don't know yeah I agree you know who I want to marry in this book oh I do know who you want to marry yes oh okay <laughs> Charles no oh in oh, your face okay, Rachel don't you don't know me uh by oh. Brummel really yes i'll tell you for why because the cheese exactly the cheese they go out oh, hunting for yeah, the day and he's yeah. like yeah i'm only going to do the first field and then i'm going to find a farmhouse and get some cheese and he does exactly that i love i love the audacity of a man who just knocks at a farmhouse and says hey have you got any cheese i like cheese and then they give him cheese <laughs> and then he goes back yeah. to the house and does some landscape gardening planning <laughs> yeah that's the man i want he sounds awesome is that reasonable um yeah i know i i, I like i like him i like his character in, in this i'm not sure that yeah i think it's it... marriage material but... <laughs> well, given think... what we actually know about him yeah yeah fair <laughs> enough um, in this book but i think i think is this the only hayer novel where we yeah. actually get some decent dialogue with brummel I think it's the only one where we actually meet him. They, um, in fact, th this whole book is littered with real mm. characters. So we don't, I, I don't think there's another book where the regent has a speaking part. Mm -hmm. um, Orbo Brummel got Cripplegate um, in there as well. Yeah, it's got some. It's got a lot of real life characters. Duke of Clarence. Mm. Um, so 
there's a lot of real life characters and then there are some that do get into later books like lady jersey uh, yeah. and the other patronesses mm. there's a few where you you hear about them in later books mm. but in terms of famous like really famous real life characters this is the only book where we we get they get speaking parts definitely mm. it's interesting isn't it where she obviously this is the first regency one and why Haya then decided not to like make reference to those characters but not yeah um not include them anymore maybe she just thought it's too i think there's this there's problematic things about having real life characters in in books isn't there because there's too much yeah. historical knowledge about them anyway yeah i mean it didn't stop the makers of the crown but yeah no but that is purely <laughs> that's what they that's what they're doing Um, can I do a quick shout out to an incredibly minor character in this book? Um, yeah. We haven't talked about Charles Audley yet, but yeah. Okay. Is that who you want to marry, Rachel? I would, yeah. <laughs> I would, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, what is, I mean, he seems like a nice chap. We'll come back to my person. Oh, okay. What is it about Charles Audley that you particularly like? I don't know. He's just like, like quite carefree and you obviously... He's a lot more caring than Worth, isn't he? He has a very sunny disposition. Yeah. He's just a nice, friendly chap. Okay. And a war hero. Sure. Oh, he's a little bit injured as well, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, that's attractive, isn't it? Charles is not right for Judith. No. I don't and, think no. And she says that he's, yeah, there's, he's too lightweight for her. Yeah. Um, I, I, the other thing about Charles is I... I you obviously learn a lot more about him and his character in Infamous Army. Mm. And so it feels like we know him from that as well. So you don't actually get to know him a lot in this book, but you but you do in Infamous Army. So maybe mm. that colours it as well a little bit for me. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. And the first meeting, their first meeting is quite funny, isn't it? Yes. How does he refer to heiresses? Oh, shall I get it? Shall I get the bit? The bit? Um, okay, so this is where... Um, Judith and um, Worth and Peregrine and um, a lot of them are at Worth's country estate for Christmas and um, Worth and Judith are in the library together and they have an unexpected visitor. I'm come home to try my luck with the heiress. Where is she? Does she squint like a bag of nails? Is she hideous? They always are. The earl stood back. You may judge for yourself, he said dryly. Miss Taverner, little though he may... He may have recommended himself to you. I must beg leave to present my brother, Captain Audley. I really like that first, that first meeting. I think it shows him to be a... Yeah. <laughs> he recovers from it so well. Yeah. But, and actually, is it that, um, yeah. that visit at Worth that has my favourite character, Lady Albinia? So she's just like the hostess there. Oh, yeah. But there's this... Just like a couple of paragraphs describing her, and there is no need for Haya to describe this woman in any detail, really, whatsoever. But she does this beautiful little sketch of a character. Um, so I'll read that here. Um, Lady Albinia was there to receive the travellers. She was a short-sighted, vague woman of no particular beauty, and a total disregard for the prevailing fashion. A paisley shawl, which she wore to protect her from the draughts, was continually slipping from her shoulders and becoming entangled in the furniture. When this happened, she immediately summoned up any gentleman who chanced to be near and commanded him to disengage her tiresome fringe. 
She seemed incapable of helping herself, and when she dropped her fan or her handkerchief, as she frequently did, merely waited for someone to pick it up for her, breaking off in the middle of whatever she was saying, and resuming again the instant her property was restored to her. She had a habit of uttering her thoughts aloud, which was disconcerting to those not much acquainted to her, but which no one who knew her paid the least attention to. So I just love this idea that it's almost like a game of musical statues, that she'll just drop a handkerchief in the middle of the sentence, yeah. and just you know stop like a wind-up toy and do yeah, yeah. put it back in her hand yeah she she does sound great <laughs> yeah and then she'll just randomly say kind of like crazy awkward impolite things that people just yeah to- <laughs> wasn't there an incident where some people came over and visited and before Bobol was rude to them <laughs> um when judith and worth came in she said oh they you know they, they've been sitting here for half an hour i don't know when they're gonna leave <laughs> like <laughs> right in front of them <laughs> so yeah i don't think i've actually got anything more to say about regency buck it's not it's just in one of those sort of middling to bottom hayer books for me yeah i i think i think it's the i i, I enjoyed the action of it because i like you know it you know thing, things happen and there were murder attempts and things like mm. that which is like interesting and I like the mystery part of it um but i just think it's the the characters and especially the main characters just did not yeah. do it for me but i i still enjoy the writing because i always do Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. Even one of the less good hayers is better than pretty much anything else. Yeah. You know what? I really did just appreciate reading a hayer again though, because this is the first Georgia Hayer book I've read for a year yeah. because I just stopped reading them during lockdown because we weren't meeting up and it it felt like I would be betraying you to read one that I wasn't going to talk yeah. to you about. <laughs> yeah, I think there is that. I think I th- yeah it, it definitely yeah, I didn't read any I haven't read very much at all I haven't really had a lot of time to do a lot of reading um mm. but um what with the hamster with hamster and the, yeah but mainly um yeah I it was it was nice yes it's nice to get into it again so what one are we going to do next <laughs> yeah we should do the infamous army yeah I'm gonna ignore you saying that um <laughs> we should do it <gasps> yeah we should but it can, it can wait can't it what if you know, if like one of us got hit by a bus and we could have done the Grand Sophie next time, but actually we did oh, the infamous yeah. army, wouldn't we feel like that was a waste? We would. Right, so we're going to do the Grand Sophie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which has a, sort of a few problematic scenes as well, but oh, anyway, yeah. yeah. But it's also got a little pet monkey. Yeah, and a little dog. Okay, so if you have made it to this point, then I'm going to assume that you don't hate us. So, if you'd, you know, if you've got a moment maybe to just drop us a little review or rating, that would be great, wouldn't it, Rachel? It really would. Yes, please. It will help other Hayer fans find us, and then we can be an even bigger, lovelier community. Right, well, thank you. Um, it's bye from us, I suppose. Bye! Bye!